Hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be back with you all on this Monday, November the 30th of 2020. Praying and hoping that you had a uh, a good time with your families as we celebrated uh, Thanksgiving together and, and just thanking God for the opportunity to be with our families. We'd like to take the time to welcome you and, and, and thank you for joining us and taking out of your time to fellowship and study the Word of God. And we are excited. Uh, we've asked the Lord to refresh our batteries, to strengthen us. And, and I know along with my brothers, we are so happy to be back and, and be able to glean from the Word of God. I am excited about this week. I'm excited about uh, what we believe the Lord is going to be opening up to us in this week as we speak about his coming. But uh, praise God for that. Joining us today is uh, on our panel is Brother Marty and Brother Fernando. And as always, it is a privilege, an honor to be able to study the word of God together. So Brother Marty, excitedly we give it to you, looking forward to what God is going to do this week. And uh, for you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the word of God together. Amen. It's good to be back again after this Thanksgiving break. We had, uh, you know, in many ways when we uh, when we concluded the last week's podcast uh, with our Thanksgiving message, uh, it felt to me very much in the spirit as if we had we had closed out a, a phase of of teaching. Really, um, we laid many many uh, teachings out there beginning in March. Uh, I think we're approaching 170 podcasts now. Uh, but when we concluded on on the last week, I really felt like we, we closed the door on a on a chapter of what uh, what's actually unfolding globally and the tiny little part that we, we've been attempting to play in it, which is to, to create a fellowship of believers uh, really around the world. Uh, over the weekend, uh, or last weekend, actually, we received... Uh, we receive messages from as far away as Australia. People are listening. People are tuning in, uh, and 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 the audience is growing. And uh, we feel a, a great burden about that, uh, in the sense of the responsibility that we have to uh, to open the Word of God, to rely upon the Holy Spirit, and to truly hear what He tells us, in order that we can um, prayerfully and humbly submit to you what we believe the Spirit is saying to us in this time. So in many ways, I feel like as we begin this week, uh, and we're heading now to the final 30, 31 days of the year, we're going to see some incredible things unfold just in the next several days as as the whole world really is is uh, is looking to the United States right now <clears throat> as we're headed into uh, to some great court battles, and, and the nation is still very, very much uh, divided. And much is being struggled over, uh, and and it's a battle that's that's not just in the natural, but it's it's a spiritual battle. And with that in mind, we begin a new chapter as we bring 2020 to a close. We pray you'll be praying for us as we do for you as we continue in our studies. And with that in mind, as we enter into the final phase of this year, we really feel by the Holy Spirit that we need to begin to. To, uh, to to bear down on some some issues, some topics 
and some thoughts concerning uh, what could uh, very well unfold before us uh, and has already, we believe, begun to unfold before us as we head what we believe are into these end times, not just the last days, but the end times spoken of by Gabriel, the, the angel of God who was sent to Daniel in Daniel chapter 12. That is what he called them, the time of the end. And uh, it's quite possible, I thoroughly believe it, uh, that we've entered those times. However long that time period is going to be, uh, we believe by the word of God that it culminates with a three and a half year period, the revealing of the wicked one. And ultimately, uh, for the church, uh, that grand and glorious day uh, when the Lord calls us home to be with him and he reclaims the, the <laughs> his rightful place. Uh, as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in Jerusalem upon the throne of his father, David, according to the word of God. So it's with that in mind that we begin a new series. We're going to be exploring various topics out of First and Second Thessalonians in the New Testament, the letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Thessalonica. And with that in mind, uh, we encourage you to have your Bibles. We encourage you as well as, as we have been as of late to uh, to share these podcasts with those that you you feel would benefit from them and that seriously want to go into some deeper exploration of the Word of God. So we welcome you back. We pray you gather around and open your Bibles as we begin our study today. From 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, I'm going to have Brother Jeremy read to us uh, verse 3 through 5. As we begin uh, the end of November, heading into December, and we ask the blessing of the Lord, his strength and guidance by his spirit in Jesus' name. Brother Jeremy, would you read that to us, please, as we begin today? Amen. That no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. Am I? Today's subject is entitled, We Told You Before. That's verse 4, chapter 3, verse 4 of 1 Thessalonians. We told you before we would suffer tribulation. You know, the Lord said in John chapter 16, verse 33, in the world you will have tribulation. But he said, but don't fear, for I have overcome the world. <clears throat> you know, really, there's emerged in the American church throughout the 20th century and now uh, into the 21st century that idea especially in the American church, that somehow we will not see the intense things that prophecy reveals will occur. And really, they've already begun to occur in these times of the end, as we, as, as we were told in the Word to call them. Chiefly, and we will explore these things in the coming days, but chiefly the teaching known as the pre-tribulation rapture. You know, this concept has become in many charismatic and Pentecostal circles a real point of salvation. In other words, if you don't hold to that pre-tribulation view, somehow you're not a true believer, and, and somehow you might not even be saved, some of the people say. But, but you know, whether it's this escapist 
thought or, or even just distortions of prophetic teachings on end-time events, it's nothing new. You see, the early church experienced these things right from the beginning of the birth of the church. And truly, it's always been a tactic of the devil. Ultimately, this tactic of distorting the understanding of prophecy uh, was designed by the enemy to discourage and, and, and to shipwreck, really, the faith of many people like he did in the early church. He's doing it now. And uh, Brother Jeremy, could you read verse 5 again? Yes. It says, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. The cause that he's talking about uh, is multiple, uh, you know, many-fold. But they were up under persecution. They were going through through things. And, and there was a distortion entering into the early church as to what it meant that they were up under affliction and persecution and tribulation. And, and it was really an agonizing thing for the apostles. And, and really the brothers that were with him, they agonized over this. They... Uh, Apostle Paul wanted them to understand that this is a spiritual war. That's why he draws their attention to the tempter tempting them in verse 5, right? I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. <clears throat> he begins to really draw their attention to the tempter. He identifies the devil himself as being the person that's causing these kinds of, you know, trepidations and anxiety amongst the early church. And so he wants them to understand some things concerning this. It, it, it was really what he says, I could no longer forbear. In other words, it was really upsetting him because he felt the burden to to reorient the church and to cause them to come up under some... some uh, you know, protective understanding. What <laughs> What's vital in what Paul is expressing here and why it relates to our times will go in at length, Lord willing, as the week goes along. Understanding the principle of Isaiah 46 again, which is the key that we apply to biblical understanding, right? Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, where it says that God declares the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, understanding that when you apply it to the history of the early church, which was the beginning, then, you know, you know, we take that understanding and we apply it to the end times. And so when you see the same kind of events that are causing anxiety and trouble and so forth in the early church, it is the Holy Spirit's way of letting us know that is the church at the end time what they are to look for and guard against. And this is the kind of thing that drove Paul's, you know, spirit to really want to bring understanding to them, first in their time frame. But, I, you know, I don't want to speak too quickly here because we're trying to elevate our thinking, our spiritual understanding. It is a profound thought to me that with the principle that we just quoted in Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, that, that it is a prophetic key to understanding what happened in the beginning will happen again. 
And so when you when you put that kind of understanding upon the scripture as the scripture teaches us to, to interpret it, then it is a profound thing to me to think and to consider that our that the early church, specifically the Thessalonians, the Thessalonican church here, and our brothers there and brothers and sisters there, that the added pressure of of the end from the beginning principle is is something to consider because not only were they experiencing what they were experiencing in their time, but what they were experiencing had far-reaching ramifications that connects them inexorably so to the end-time church. So not only were they feeling the pressure of their present moment, but unbeknownst to them, they were experiencing also the weight of a future end-time generation for whom they were living out the spiritual warfare in their own present day, but also with the added caveat, if you will, of the intensity of satanic conflict over those prophetic times, which would reach to the end of time. They were the beginning, living in the beginning, what the end time church would live. Now, this is why Paul said, I couldn't, you know, wait to send you some kind of word to find out what's going on, to help you understand. He said, lest our labor be in vain. The connective tissue is extraordinary. And I know this might be way over a lot of our heads, but listen, it must be understood in that larger context. And I don't know how else to describe it. I would try to mince words and use, you know, you know, different kinds of words. But those are the best words I know how to say. See, his desire for the labor that he, he, you know, he produced in bringing about the early church as the Holy Spirit, you know, led him. And this church was born out of conflict. We went over the book of Acts several weeks ago. This Thessalonica church went through much and and much of what they went through parallels, prophetically speaking, what the end time church is going through now and will increase in its uh, experience uh, of what it's going through. And, and it will be exactly like what they went through. So when Paul says, I didn't want to labor in vain, he's not only applying that to their times, but he understands at a very deep level, moved by the Holy Spirit, that everything is connected. And he goes on in these two letters to open up a, an understanding of, of biblical prophecy in such a way uh, as to reach well into the future some 2,000 years to our time. And so he wanted them to understand, first and foremost, this is the work of the tempter, and I need to interject here. Because what the enemy was actually doing was threatening the very existence of the individual as it pertains to their belief in Christ, but also collectively as the church of, as a whole. They were being brought through the crucible of affliction and tribulation, and, and it was shaking the faith of many. And Paul was saying, I don't want you to be moved by this because you've been appointed to this, verse 3, right? that no man should be moved by these afflictions because you you yourself know we've been appointed to these things. 
Now, we'll get into that in a second, but I want to look at something here in chapter 2, and I want Brother Jeremy, could you read with that in mind, what we were just talking about, could you read to us verse 17 through 19 of chapter 2, please? Yes. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? That's incredible, and we'll get to this in a second, but look, look how he concludes that thought. He takes them all the way to the end of time. And says, this is connected to the second coming of the Lord. And when he mentions in verse 17, he reminds them, because he's, he's drawing a fellowship here with them. They're suffering because of their belief. They're suffering because of their newfound faith. They're, they're less than a year old as a church, a year and a half old when he's writing these things to them. And, and he wants them to remind them by verse 17, when he tells them in verse 17, uh, but we, brothers, were taken away from you. Those of you who weren't familiar with our, our teaching throughout the book of Acts, we, we encourage you to go back and look at those teachings or, or, or hear them in the podcast. But but you'll find what he's referencing here in verse 17 is Acts chapter uh, 17 and verse 10, uh, particularly, because it was after several weeks of ministering and causing a new Gentile church to be born in, in, in Thessalonica, up under heavy persecution from the Jews of the synagogue, who became jealous at the fruit that was being born in the apostles' ministry, literally ran them out of town. And and uh, Paul and, and, and Timothy and Silas and Luke, if you go back and read Acts chapter 17 there in verse 10, at nighttime they had to, to sequester them and secret them out of the city, taking them 46 miles away to Berea. That's what he's referencing here. Brethren, uh, we were taken from you for a short time in, in presence. In other words, we had to get out of town. But that doesn't mean that our heart has ever left you. And we tried to come see you. And we desired to come back and see you, he says. But then he gets to verse 18, and he says, we would have come to you, even me, Paul. We tried over and over to come back to you, but Satan hindered us. So now he takes them even deeper. He begins to say it wasn't some devil or some other kind of force. It was the devil himself that was hindering them from returning to the Thessalonian church and ministering to them at a deeper level. But he's taking them in their understanding that everything that they're experiencing is part of a higher and, and deeper conflict. It's not just people mad at them for believing in this Jesus that Paul was preaching. It's not just the Jews who who were, you know, uh, doing their thing, but that the actual conflict that they were up under, and, and in fact, the afflictions and the persecutions and the tribulations that had come to them were a direct attack uh, of Satan himself. And he's trying to wake them up in that sense and bring comfort to them so that they'll understand that what they're going through 
is satanic and part of a larger conflict and that must be understood from that point of view. See, the modern church is so far from understanding this big picture conflict we're beginning to talk about today, especially in the United States. With that in mind, Paul is trying to connect this, like we said, in their mind and subsequently ours to the second coming of the Lord. And he go, could read that again, would you, Brother Jeremy, in verse 19? Yes. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Wow, I mean, we could talk about that in such a high level I mean, of, 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 of understanding there, how Paul thinks in terms of big picture, right? He's referencing everything they're going through all the way up to the second coming of the Lord. And he's presenting to them the idea that, <laughs> that they are the fruit of his labor and, and they are his joy. And they are the very ones that will be standing with him on the day that the Lord returns at his second coming. And so he's trying to say, we're in this incredible warfare. It is Satan that's hindering, but understand it on a much larger sense that one day, this all this conflict we're going through, all this tribulation we're up under, all of it is going to conclude with us standing in the presence of the king. And so if you don't understand that, and I'm speaking just to us on a practical basis now, then the tribulations and the afflictions and the persecutions and the very things that the prophets have revealed to us are just ahead of us in these end times that we find ourselves in. If we don't anchor it to that perspective, which is what the apostle by the Spirit of God is is causing us to reflect on, then we will not be able to stand it must be hooked to the bigger picture. Understand, he's elevating their thinking. He's elevating their understanding. And listen, like the early church, I honestly believe that the Holy Spirit is now beginning to draw our attention back to these times we're looking at in order to, to educate us and to prepare us now for what has begun and what is just ahead of us. Again, He's dealing with big picture issues here because it is it was their key and, and it's our key, uh, really, in these end times to understanding and, and also to the endurance that's going to be required in the not too many days ahead. So, Brother Jeremy, let, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So, so Brother found... Marty, <clears throat> Go ahead, brother. I mean, you, you, you laid you laid a tremendous point there that you know again hopefully you know the people i've been following along for some time now and 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 kind of gauge how we're uh attempting to interpret scripture as the holy spirit has given it to us um what you're saying there is that the 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 church in thessalonica is is going through intense persecution the church is going through intense persecution Paul himself is being hindered from going to them. Yes. And 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 that kind of uh you know intensity and persecution can cause the believer to kind of uh, isolate their situation as though 
it is unique to themselves. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and then and then they begin to to look at things in the natural. Like, whoa, you know, I'm suffering all this because of Christ and because of the decision of faith I've made. You know, they're, they're after my life, and and then and then all of a sudden we're looking at just our situation as some isolated situation. And the apostle Paul writes them to tell them, "No, you are a part of an eternal persecution." That makes sense. Uh, yeah, it does. Okay, so the persecution that you're dealing with is not new; it's just manifesting itself in your time at an intense level. But this is only a foreshadow. So in essence, also, he's using, uh, think about this if you're listening. He's using that church as prophecy, unknown to them, so that they can speak to us in the future. Yes. That's, that's That's an intense thought right there, that God would use them as an example, because that's what Paul tells the, the church, like, hey, listen, your your struggle, your faith is 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 I mean is reaching the regions, whether yeah. you realize it or not. So don't think that that you're on in this by yourself. Your persecution is bringing about faith in people who are hearing about your persecution. That's exactly so right. So he's trying he, he's trying to get them to think bigger picture, right? Because that's what the apostle was able to do. And imagine mm-hmm. imagine imagine the loneliness sometimes of of a man of God who understands things at a bigger picture, but now he's dealing with a people that can't see it. Yes. Right? So he's trying to explain to them, like, look, this is much bigger than, than what you see. You know, and then he takes them to the end time. He says, this is something that is unfolding. So don't feel alone because the brethren before you have gone through it, you're going through it. And brethren that that are coming in the future, are going to read about you, and they're going to go through it. That's good. And that, yeah. and that should that should bring a sense of joy. Like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Now you start thinking spiritually, like, wait a minute. You know, I am on the battlefield for the Lord. I yes. am going through this for the Lord. And that should bring strength and courage that we're not alone. You know, we are going to endure these things, but we're not alone. Powerful. Well, Jeremy, what were you going to say? Oh no, I'm I'm listening, brother. This is good. This yeah, is good and, point and, that brother Fernando brings up. Yeah, very much so, and and uh, that's precisely what Paul's saying. And and see, this is this is the most difficult thing to really uh, comprehend. Uh, but but it is not, it, <laughs> it's absolutely vital. Listen, uh, I find it fascinating that this is the level of communication that he's having with a church that's only a year old, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, you know, and not only is it only a year old, it's a church that had never heard the gospel before. Right. I mean, these are the Gentile churches. This is, these are the brothers that, that came up out of Judaism, some of them, and a lot of them were born again as a result of the influence of the, of the, of the Gentile converts to Judaism who became Christians under Paul's message. And and and, uh, and then to think that only a year later or so uh, they're being taught because uh, as we go on in the week you'll see when we get to chapter four they're being taught about the, the second coming of the Lord they're being taught about the rapture 
They're being taught about the resurrection. Yeah. They're be- I mean, this is incredible. What you're in saying, one year. <laughs> in one year. And this probably this is- and this probably makes no sense, brother, to uh, <laughs> mega church going people. <laughs> oh no! Right. <laughs> no, exactly. but the but the length that he goes, brother Marty, to teach these things. You know, I, I think it's incredible, which which brings us uh, to light and understanding that this wasn't just a revelation that came to the Apostle Paul, but this mm-hmm. came through trial and tribulation as as he lays a case, you know, in the first two chapters, how this came about, you know, how he came to them, not in deceitfulness and not in this, you know. This right. came through 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 much tribulation and suffering and and really uh he even speaks about God trying, right, the hearts, you know, not seeking yes. the glory of men. And, 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 and I think he's he's laying the case, but I think it's incredible what you just said. In one year, just look of the great length that the Apostle Paul goes to bring forth and in the manner that he's speaking to them, not as babes, <laughs> but he's right. giving them the deeper things of God. Well, that's a really good point you pointed out. I was, I was debating on whether we cover this in the next couple of days, but it kind of flows with what you're saying because he ties his own um, battle, like you said, uh, and, and uses it as an example to them so that they'll understand that the preacher didn't just come to town and, you know, drop a, you know, an inspirational <laughs> message on them and, you know, formed a little ministry and then he split, right. right? And now they're going through all this stuff and he's like, they're like, well, where is he right now? He, he goes back in his resume and, and refers to them something really cool. Could you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? Uh, just read uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 1 through 4. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, based on what you were just saying. For, ourse- for yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain, but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanliness, nor in guile, but as as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. I mean, we could spend a month just on those four verses, but again, he 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 brings that out to them. Where in verse two, what Brother Jeremy you were talking about, where he he draws their attention to what they had just experienced coming out of Philippi. Remember, we spent a whole week on Philippi. How they came and they met, uh, you know, Lydia, and 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 then that that false. Uh, you know, woman that was controlled by a spirit of divination, right? And and then and then how they got thrown in jail. They were whipped and beaten, and then they were singing at midnight, and the, the earthquake came. And I mean, all this stuff that happened at Philippi. So when he says here in verse two, uh, even after and you and those of you that are listening, you can find that story in, in Acts chapter sixteen. But even after that, we had suffered before. He says, and we were shamefully entreated, like you know. So they obviously had heard what had happened to them at Philippi. He said, even though we went through all that, we were still bold 
verse 2. We were bold in our God to speak the gospel to you up under much contention, which speaks of an arena. It talks about like a boxer going into the boxing ring. He's trying to 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 uh, cause them to understand that he perfectly understands what they're now going through. And yet he draws tries to draw them into an inspiring thought. In other words, look, we could have easily showed up at Thessalonica still bearing in our body the, the wounds from the whipping and the beating that me and Silas took, right? I mean, and we could have just, you know, chilled out, man, to put it in modern language. Right. Because we would be afraid of what happened to us in Philippi is going to happen to us here amongst you guys. He said, but there was something so much more greater involved here. We're being driven not by a concept or an ideology or some uh, different bent on Judaism or some philosophy that we've kind of sprinkled a little Jesus on just to make it more palatable to, to you, the Gentiles. He says, no, we didn't water down the message. As a matter of fact, we understood it from the perspective of a spiritual war. That's why he went on and talked about Satan hindering them from going back to them. He wants them to understand, I came to you and gave you this message even before your persecution began, having already experienced persecution myself. And so I want you to anchor your mind on that very fact that I led by example because what I preached to you and what we brought to you, it's not an earthly message. It's a heavenly word. And he goes on to, to, to remind them of what Brother Fernando was talking about in verse 4 where he draws them to the big picture and begins to try and by describing what he says here in verse four, but as we were allowed of God to be what? Put in trust with the gospel. We speak to you. He's trying to let them know the way brother Fernando describes it beautifully, that you now have been put in trust with something. And it is God who has put you in trust with the gospel now even though we're not there and the same kind of persecution uh and 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 the, and the same kind of suffering and the same kinds of things that we went through in philippi and came to you and boldly spoke the gospel to you it was god who trusted that we would do this thing and now that you are up under an unexpected thing even though we warned you about it and that it would come now that you're experiencing it he's literally saying your hearts are being tried and you've been entrusted with the gospel. It's a fellowship that is carrying on up until the second coming of the Lord. That's what he goes on to say, right? Which is what we read. <laughs> so he's elevating now, uh, their thinking. Go ahead, brother. No, and he used the same word that he, uh, in, in chapter 1, verse 7, that he used to the Corinthians concerning uh, uh, when, when he said uh, that all these things were uh, happened unto them. For in samples to whom the ends of the world are come to, right? Paul spoke yeah. like that to the Corinthians, and he used the same word concerning the church in Thessalon uh, the Thessalonians in chapter one, verse seven. He says, "So that ye were in samples yeah. to all that yeah. believe in Macedonia and Achaia." So the word in sample means literally a pattern. Yeah, you are a pattern yeah. of what it's going to be like. <laughs> for those who, I don't, for those I don't who will follow, yeah. <laughs> right? I'm just saying that. Yeah, I'm just that's laughing. pretty deep. <laughs> that's exactly it, right? That's the. I was just laughing at that because that's a really heavy thought, brother. 
but that's what we're talking about. And um, yeah, because what in that, in that other scripture you're referring to in Corinthians, what is he telling the Corinthian church that everything that happened to Israel, right? were meant to yes. be examples to us upon what? Whom the ends of the world have come. So he draws it to prophetic understanding. I'm sorry. I was just, that's a heavy thought. No, no, it's, I, I just wanted to throw that out there because it connects everything we're talking about. So why, the question is, if, he, if they're going through persecution, he's writing to them about the persecution yeah. they're going through because the gospel has come. Um, mm-hmm. Why is he referring to the end times? Why is he referring to the coming of the Lord? Because he's thinking big picture. It's what we're it's what we're yeah. trying to relate to you. It's it's the way the apostle wrote. You know, he mm. he he is seeing my God, he's seeing the whole scope of the eternal purpose of God ah, in its fulfillment. Yes. In its fulfillment. He's seeing to the end, the present and the future. Yeah, that is that, to be spiritually minded. That is to be spiritually minded. Yes. And, yeah. and all of this, I don't know, you, I could sense the presence of God heavy, man. I mean, what we're talking mm-hmm. about. I mean, uh, I mean, it's it's powerful, the yeah. things that, that uh, we're bringing out right now. The Lord is allowing us to do that. You couple everything he's saying about the suffering he went through, what's being presented to the people, and then he adds the element of Satan, right? <laughs> yeah. Coming to hinder us, right? Yeah. And right. and that little part right there of Satan coming in brings the component of the the attempt of Satan. And please help me with my vocabulary here. I think I'm going to use the word thwart. Thwart. Yeah. And that's a mm-hmm. it's a, But very specifically, the message of his coming. And and yes. we see the attempt of mm-hmm. the enemy to thwart thwart that very message that Paul ingrained to the church yeah. of Thessalonians. That's powerful. Incredible. That's precisely right. Again, like you're saying, you know, he's dealing with the big picture issue. Uh, and, and then what he, what you were saying earlier uh, in verse 4, it, again, chapter 2, verse 4, he talks about it uh, as being a trust, something that God has entrusted Paul with, and then also right. the church. That you've been put in trust, and because of that, the heart will be exposed. God who trieth the heart, yes. and and he, and he he's really really going into the very issues of soul and depth of spirit by saying such things. You know, we read over these things, but these are really complicated spiritual matters. Complicated in the sense of 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 breaking through, um, you know, a, a mere soulish understanding into the realm of 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 the depth of the spirit, the depth of the real. When he talks about being entrusted with the good news or with the gospel, and then that in itself trying the heart. I love what he says in verse four, chapter two, because he says. Even so, we speak, and what we're speaking is is not to please men, but God, which tries our hearts. The trial of the heart is in the message, and and what you were talking about, big picture, long term, you know, end of the world type things, the examples, all that. He says that tries your heart, 
because up under the the delivering of the message and the message <laughs> which is where we started was was what he said in chapter three right he said uh read that to us in verse three uh, and four brother jeremy of chapter three that no man should be moved by these afflictions for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto for verily when we were with you we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass and ye know see that's what he's referring to because remember i mean he's writing a letter so that's already in his heart but we're just looking at the second chapter when he speaks about uh, in chapter 2 verse 4 that we speak not pleasing men but god which tries our hearts see nobody wants to talk about this kind of stuff that's what he's saying but the very fact that i told you what you were going to go through what you've been appointed to what you've been called to your ultimate destiny to stand in the presence of god the hindering of satan those are very very rubber meets the road kind of things man you know and he says look uh, it is god which tries our heart uh in these matters because we couldn't i mean we could we could water the message down but we didn't and it's the same thing right now i don't know if you can feel this but i do and i know you do brother yeah. but it's the same thing right now it would be really easy for us, and it hasn't been over the last eight months, to come at you with what we are trying to, in, in the multiple ways that we, that we were trying by the grace of God, and hopefully uh, humbly so, to say. It would be so much easier to just, you know, come out of this four days that we took off and say, all right, you know, everything's good from here on in. It's victory, man. We're going to have this great awakening, this great revival, and just, you know, Happy days are here again. Well, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Paul goes on in verse 5 to say, we didn't at any time use flattering words. The message we came to you with, he says, was a message of hardship and affliction and tribulation. And he says, so what you're going through now, you know, we told you before it would happen. And so, in other words, if you can trust what we said to you and you're seeing it happen, then the rest of what we're going to say to you, hallelujah, you can, hallelujah. you can, you can bet your bottom denarii on it, right? Your last shekel, basically, whatever, your last dollar on it, man, <laughs> that Jesus is coming and, and, and that you're, you're not appointed to wrath and you're going to make it. And he goes, you know, all the other things we could talk about. He said, put your trust in the fact we didn't come trying to do tap dances for you and put on, you know, plays and Broadway shows for you, man. We came here and told you, like drill sergeants, you're in a war. And this war is connected, like Brother Fernando said, to the eternal path. And it's headed to a glorious and eternal future. And, and it will be fully realized at the second coming of the Lord. So, again, he's dealing with big picture issues because it is the key in their time and our time, to our understanding and endurance. Brother Jeremy, could you I read a, a, go ahead, when you, before you make your statement, uh, go over there and, and, uh, and we're going to be reading from verse 12, but go ahead before you, before you read and say what you were going to say. Verse 12 of chapter 2, right, Brother Marty? Yeah, yes, sir. Okay. I, no, I just, it's kind of like a rhetorical question I have for you, brothers. I mean, 
with this type of teaching that Paul, the way he taught Thessalonians, how would it fly, right? That's what we're saying, right, in the modern church today. <laughs> that speaks so much about Paul, right? I, I, yeah. don't, I don't think it would be accepted. It's sad to say, you know, right. that to speak about suffering to, to the church. No. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there wouldn't be no mega churches in America if we preached the yeah. message. <laughs> Maybe, right? But, uh, I, you know, I asked myself, this teaching definitely, as you said, brother, it, it would not fly, you know, no. in this hour. Sad to say. But it's needed. It's yes. needed because in it is our purification, right? In it is yes. our hope and so much. But let's continue. Uh, you said chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 12. Yes. Okay. That ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Again, he's connecting it with with such a massive, to them uh, and and to us, really, (coughs) concept, (coughs) excuse me, a concept of the things of God. I think that as we've gone along this year, become more and more and we've become more and more aware at, at the deficit of, and the lack uh, of biblical understanding amongst the churches, especially in America, uh, over the last 20, 30 years. You know, we had a precious sister, you know, and we I understand her heart. You know, she lamented over the fact that, you know, we've been, she, she she's followed us in our teachings here as we've you know been exploring the Bible. And one of the things that she shared was that her the sadness of of, of 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 the Lord Jesus returning, you know, and and I on the surface I went, I was like, well, what do you mean, you know? But but as I thought about it, I understood what she meant. She felt the urgency and feels the urgency of her own family, who are living in in such a di- disconnected way that that it doesn't even cross their radar screen that we're we're fast approaching, so uh, the second coming of the Lord. And with that in mind, before he returns, we are, we are having revealed to us in the scripture that perilous times are just ahead. And they've already begun. It just hasn't fully settled upon the American psyche yet, the American church psyche. But it's going to, trust me, in earnest. It's coming. It's begun. And and for some people, it's already a reality who've lost their jobs, whose businesses have been closed, whose children have no place to go to school, whose very livelihood is coming down to nickels and dimes. They're relying upon, you know, uh, the government to help them out now at this point, someplace they never wanted to be. The reality of the times are hitting. And for those of you who, who maybe have a little bit of a cushion, don't think that you'll escape either. Because there's forces at work here that are going to adjust the global reset, as they call it, into a, into a position where everyone is going to have to give an account and make choices and decisions that are not going to be easy, especially for the believer, if you're not anchored in what Paul is revealing here, and, and based on all the things we've talked about before. And so the, the concept of the coming of the Lord is such a foreign thing to most people. And yet it is the end of the gospel. It is what it's all about. That the conflict that we're experiencing now in our time, which I thoroughly believe is the time of the end for many reasons. But 
bottom line, the the actual understanding of how it is far more uh, desirable, not just to have God's blessings in my own immediate circle and present reality of my life right now, but that the fact that Jesus is coming and that this crazy, disgusting, you know, untruthful world is going to be dealt with and that my hope needs to be anchored there. That's why Paul says to them in verse 12, what brother Jeremy said, in verse 11, he says, as you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged three things, right? We exhorted you yet we comforted you, but we also charged you because this is the job of a father to his children, right? That's what he said. Can you read that brother Jeremy verse 11? Yes. As ye know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. This is the mark of a true man of God. This is our Apostle Paul. This is this is the the Lord God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ. These are his holy scriptures. And he, he mentions three things. We exhorted you. We're trying to, you know, pump you up, in other words. Uh, but we also comfort you. You know, it's both. There is no comfort in the message of, you know, there's perilous times ahead. But there is if we if we talk to you about the coming of the Lord. And where that 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 link takes place in your heart, in your life, or my heart in my life, it's unique to each individual. But it's going to have to be the very anchor of our soul. We can't give it to you. My brothers can't give it to me. I can't give it to them. I can't even give it to my wife and children, but I can exhort comfort and charge by the by the Spirit of God. But 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 then Paul goes on to say, I did this in this manner so that you would walk worthy of God. And then he says, Because it's God that's calling you to his kingdom. <laughs> this is this is incredible what he's saying. Because it is big picture. And when it says he's called you unto his kingdom, I looked up that word unto, and and it's really profound. It just seems like, you know, a simple word, but it literally means, it, it means it indicates a point that is reached. It reveals a process and that a journey lies ahead and that the Lord intends you to make it all the way through to the end. So he said he's not only called you, but he's called you unto his kingdom. In other words, he's called you, but he's intending you to reach that final destination, man. He doesn't want you to miss the plane, you know, be late for the train, uh, whatever euphemism you want to use. He's literally saying you're going to make it. The calling is not enough to be to be called. He's intending for us to make it. Now, because we have a beginning as individual human beings, it's very difficult for us to think in terms of eternal reality. Because we've only known this body that we live in, that reflection you see in the mirror, and you had a finite beginning, you had an origin, a point of origin where you were born, it's all we've known. And so, what Paul revealed in Hebrews chapter 2, if you remember, is that the Lord Jesus Christ came. It says, insomuch that the, 
that the children were partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, he suffered death, he went to war on our behalf, and that through death, he destroyed him who had the power of death. That is the devil. And then he says this, so that he might deliver us who through all our lifetime were subject to bondage. How? Through the fear of death. In other words, we've only known the life that we are living now. And so to exchange that in any way in our thoughts or deeper meditative processes for an eternal understanding uh, is a fearful thing. But he says the Lord himself walking out of that tomb on the third day is the anchor for our soul and points to a destiny that awaits all those who have faith in what he did. And he says, it is God that's calling to you. It is that haunting voice in the middle of the night that's beckoning you to something that transcends all that you've ever known, even though the common experience of human existence is that which runs through humanity's history, his children have the revelation given to them by the Spirit that there's something more, there's something greater. It may not be able to be held onto uh, for any length of time yet, but he's saying, I'm telling you these things so that you can walk in it, walk worthy of it, because something glorious is coming, and and the fact that you're beginning to understand and really in many ways he was saying hey were you going through anything before you heard the gospel <laughs> basically did you ever have this kind of right. you know heavy duty stuff come down on you before you heard the gospel basically he's saying that's a rhetorical question right he was asking but no you didn't and he says the fact that you're now experiencing it doesn't make any sense in the natural because all you're doing is saying my sins have been forgiven and I believe in this person named Jesus that rose on the dead. Why should all kinds of heat come down on you now just because you believe that? He says it's because of Satan and it's because there is a kingdom you're being called to and this world is only temporary. That's the elevation of, of, of thought he's bringing to all of us and tying it to the second coming of the Lord and a kingdom that the scripture continues to trumpet from generation to generation that is laid in store, purchased in the precious blood of the lamb for God's children. It is the anchor. So he says, look, he's called you under this. In other words, he wants you to reach that point. <laughs> he's bringing us to a point, right? And it's a journey in the early church, which has come to rest in our time. You know, he's talking about confusion that was taking place amongst them because of the affliction. Even though he had told them, he seeks to reorient them. So he reminds them. Brother Jeremy, could you read to us again? Chapter 3, verse, verse 3. That no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed there unto. <laughs> you know, it's worthy to note, like you guys were talking about earlier, you know, Paul, as a true shepherd of the Lord Jesus Christ, he didn't water down his message. You know, unlike the fair hair, I think I, my wife was laughing because we used that describing the preachers of the day. We called them feather duster preachers. You know, they don't get into the deep grime, right? They just want to, they just want to, 
take a little dust off here, right? And just come back next week. But I mean, he was, he didn't act like that. He wasn't like a fair haired feather duster preacher of the day. Uh, he didn't water down his message to this new church, which he pioneered. It's only a year old. No, Paul is a general man. Praise God. He's a general, a true apostle in the army of the Lord. And, and he bears in his own body the battle scars of this war. He's writing from a from not a cushy, you know, uh, pewed, air-conditioned megachurch. He's running for his life. <laughs> and he's writing these things. He's been beat. He's been whipped. He was left for dead. In one place, the brethren, the brethren gathered around him and thought he was dead after they stoned him. And they're just staring at him, and he gets back up and goes back into the city to preach. This is a general. This is a man who walked through trial and tribulation and, 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 and took all the devil had to throw at him in the name of Jesus. And he's the one writing this letter. He's a true shepherd. He says, look, I told you this. you got to reorient yourself. You know, <laughs> get back in line here, right? He whips them into shape. That's what we need today. We need men of God like that today. To say, snap out of it, you 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 overfed, over you know saturated with this with this cushiony Christianity of the United States Church. You guys, you need to get up and start uh, you know snapping back into shape because that's what this long line of fellowship is all about. It is a church that has endured through the ages. Not because of their, you know, cushiony lifestyle, but because they precisely understood this is a war and we're headed somewhere. He whips them back into shape and he says, don't be moved by these afflictions, right? That's what he said. Don't be moved by them. That word moved, to be moved means don't be shaken by it. Don't be disturbed by it. Don't be troubled by it mentally or spiritually. And 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 don't 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 let it you know disorient you, man. These afflictions. That word affliction means, uh, and and it's really interesting how what it means. It means to be under pressure, to be oppressed, to to endure tribulation, to go through distress or persecution or burden. And the root word means to be compressed in a way that you feel like you're being squeezed on all sides. See, that's what is just ahead of us. It's already happening. That's what they endure. And he wants them to understand, don't let it shake you. Don't let it trouble you. It's going to feel like you're being squeezed in on all sides. That's what's coming. But he says, you know something. Listen to this. He says that no man should be moved that is shaken or disturbed or troubled or, and all the other adjectives by this feeling like the, the, the world and time and history is crowding in around you. He says, you know something. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in, the way he's writing, because he says, you yourselves know. And the word you know, it means you've begun to perceive and discern something. That's what it literally means, to discern, to see with wide open eyes. They began to understand that this is much different than they had understood and he begins to remind them, and, and if you can see it or understand it, he's revealing that the Spirit of God is already working on them because they're having discernment about it. This is greater. This is different. This is, this is deeper than I thought. This isn't just 
a mere disagreement or, or everyday life kind of stuff that every human goes through. This is more intense. This is satanically driven. These are prophetic times. These are tied to the end times. All that stuff, Brother Fernando and Jeremy were talking about. That's what he's saying here. You're beginning to discern something. You're beginning to see that you were appointed to these things. And, and really that word metaphorically, man, it means that it means to be uh to be set or destined uh, by the intention of God to what you're about to go through. That's what he was saying in verse 4 of chapter 1. Read verse 4 of chapter 1, Brother Jeremy. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more and, and and no chapter one verse four brother Jim. oh i'm sorry <laughs> it says knowing brethren beloved your election of god he he draws their attention and says you are elected of god that literally he was saying before the foundation of the earth, you were selected, each and every single one of you, to 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 go through what you're going through now. Now he goes into what Brother Fernando was talking about in, in an even deeper way in verse when he starts out the letter, he's saying, Look, this election has its origin in the eternal past. And you are now selected by God to endure these things. This is what you're going through. You've been appointed to this. It is your it is your mission. It is your uh, piece of the puzzle. You're being interjected into history. Each and every one of you has been personally selected and ordained of God and his ultimate plan, his big picture plan. And this is your part. You are a most privileged generation is basically what he's talking to them about. You were appointed, selected. And this goes all the way back to the very beginning. And then, and then that's what he was saying, right? We, we uh, In verse 4, what Brother Jeremy just read, for truly, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation. The, the word before, we told in verse 4, chapter 3, verse 4, we told you before. In other words, we forewarned you, we predicted it before it happened. That's what he's telling them. And, and and what did he say? We predicted before it happened that we should suffer tribulation. And it came to pass. As you know, he says, it's going to be this way again. Lord, help us to understand this. Again, understand the end from the beginning. The Holy Spirit always shows us things that are to come. Listen, brother. What is? Wait a minute. What is something to know when we consider First and Second Thessalonians? Is it has to be understood as a message to our time, the times we're living in right now. Go ahead, brother. We see something in the calling, in the conversion of Saul before he was Paul. There's something that the Lord tells Paul when he initially calls him. The Lord said unto him in, in chapter nine, verse fifteen, "Go thy way." For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name 
before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. This is going with what you were speaking about, destined, appointed yes. to suffer. Yeah, and that that kind of that kind of adds seasoning and flavoring to to why he's able to communicate the way he does, right? Because it was yeah. revealed to him, right? And even when he talks about uh, that, what the Lord said to him, I think he, the Lord told that to Ananias, right, to go tell him this uh, after Paul had been knocked off his horse. Uh, he goes and and and, uh, and 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 first thing he says is he's he's a chosen vessel, right? what you just read he's a chosen yes. vessel that's that's exactly what you're talking about here where uh, in verse 3 of chapter 3 of first Thessalonians he tells them you yourselves know that you're appointed you're chosen in in verse 4 of chapter 1 of first Thessalonians he says you're elected to this thing just as I was chosen so were you chosen and just as the early church was chosen so the end time church will be chosen Make, don't 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 misunderstand me. The church has endured trial and test throughout the last two thousand years, and really since the beginning of history, that the Lord has always had His church in the earth. But there is unique biblical insight given to us that we are connected, beginning from the end, and the end from the beginning, and so we are entering into those times. Again, we need to consider that First and Second Thessalonians. It has to be understood as a message to our times based on that in from the beginning principle. Understand that more, at least it comes, the way I understand it, more is revealed in these two letters, First and Second Thessalonians, uh, in regards to the, the tribulation, the great tribulation. Uh, more is revealed in, in these events than in any of the other letters, it could be argued. I mean, consider this, and we'll look at this this week, you know, the, the question of the resurrection, the resurrection day, the, the second coming of the Lord, the Antichrist, the falling away of the end-time church, Armageddon, the ultimate destruction of the devil, etc., etc., even our catching away, the real timing of the rapture, or the harpezo, as he calls it in, in, uh, in, in, in the in the second Thessalonians chapter two, and then meeting the Lord in the air in the clouds, as he reveals in, in chapter four uh, of first Thessalonians, we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And he says, wherefore comfort one another with these words, right? Read that to us, brother Jeremy, what he says in chapter four, in verse 16. Uh, <clears throat> yes. Or chapter verse 16. For the Lord himself shall yes, descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall first shall rise first. Then, then we which are alive, right? We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. In the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. So if Wherefore, you want comfort one another with the words. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, right? With these words. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He takes their what they're going through, whether you live or die, he says, you're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air when he returns. So he accelerates not only the big picture of how they're to look at things, but he accelerates their understanding within the book, big picture and, and, and drives it all the way to the second coming of the Lord. That's incredible. And probably way over most of our heads. But this is what he's writing to them, a church that's only a year old. So if you think that we're being heavy, (laughs) I mean, this is what he told a a baby church. So that ought to alert us to something, right? Like, my God, you know, you better get, like we were saying earlier, right? I mean, he's a general. He's a general in the Lord's army, man, and, and, and he's addressing the truth. And he's, he's, uh, he's doing all those three things he said he was doing. He's exhorting them. He's comforting. Wherefore, comfort ye one another. Right? And he's charging every single one of them to walk worthy of the Lord who has called them to his kingdom and glory. That's what he's saying. This is what's going to get you through. If you don't look at the big picture, you're not going to be able to endure. That's why he goes on in the second letter to the Thessalonians to reveal all those things we'll explore this week, the falling away of the church, the man of sin being revealed, him opposing God and exalting himself against all that is called God, him sitting directly in the temple of God, the mystery of iniquity that's already working. He goes on and talks to them about uh, the the revelation of the Antichrist is coming after the working of Satan. He, he, he He is revealing so much so that they would be anchored, right? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So really, it's in this week, you know, we we really want to explore, Lord willing, many of these topics, many of these end-time topics. And some might challenge you in our preconceived ideas of what we've thought. But remember, our desire is to know what the Word of God says. The Thessalonian brothers and sisters are a great inspiration, and like Brother... Fernando said, an example, a prophetic example, and a guide for us now. Let's go back to what Brother Fernando was referring to in in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 through 8, and and we'll close with that. Did you read that, Brother Jeremy? And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction and with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God's word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. My God, that's who they were. That's what he describes there. He, he reminds them that when you received the word, you received it in much affliction. That, that's when the church was first born, Acts chapter 17, right? When the, when the Jews became jealous of them, immediately they were persecuted. And he says, you received it in much affliction. And he says, but the key was with the joy of the Holy Ghost, right? In the joy of the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Lord is my strength. He says, you, you really endured up under these things by the strength that is otherworldly. You cannot deal with it any other way, and we will not be able to deal with what is just ahead of us any other way except by 
the presence and the strength of the Holy Spirit within our hearts and lives and minds. He says, <laughs> he says so much so, like what Brother Fernando said, they became examples. And, and this is fascinating, isn't it? Because, it, again, it, they're only a year old. But their perseverance, their uh, tenacity, and even though they wavered and some were bending and, and there was all kinds of interesting dynamics, which we'll look into in the coming days, Lord willing, where false teachers were coming in and beginning to try and preach prophecy to them, and it was shaking their faith as they began to distort the prophetic scriptures. This is why we say that this early church represents the end-time church as well, as Brother Fernando pointed out that deep thought of being examples of, uh, uh, unto us upon whom the ends of the world have come. Notice what they began to experience right away, and he called it sat satanic, or the tempter hindering them, right? Or, or Satan fighting against them, hindering them. It took the form of distortions in prophetic understanding, in end-time events, so that it was shaking their faith because what was being taught by false brothers that were coming up um, uh, 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 amongst them were things that literally shook their faith, and, and, and they were distorting uh, the understanding of what Paul had already taught them and was teaching them. And so it was causing them to question because they were starting to go through affliction and persecution and tribulation, it was making them question the very gospel itself. And this is why the Paul, said, Paul said, man, I couldn't wait to write to you. I even sent Timothy to you. Isn't that what he said, Brother Jeremy, in chapter 3, verse yeah. 1? Read that yes, to us. He says, wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. And, and sent Timoth and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Which means that their faith was being tried, that they were beginning to question it because of these false teachers that were preaching false prophecy understanding to them. Even some came and said, wow, the resurrection's already happened. You guys missed it, right? Well, we'll look at that, but that's what they told them. You missed it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, all this distorted, uh, you know, teaching on prophecy. Again, I believe we've entered those same days. You know, this we, we started out and, and uh, you know, talking about this, this pre-tribulation rapture thing. And maybe we'll look at it tomorrow, but we'll, we'll, or if the Lord allows, sometime this week, we'll dig into it. Because we've had questions come to us from many places concerning our ideas and thoughts and, and understanding of what the Word of God teaches concerning the catching away. Do you believe in a rapture or a harpeto, as it's called in the Greek, a catching away? Yes, the Bible plainly teaches it. But this whole idea that there's no affliction, there's no persecution, there's no tribulation for the saints, that's wrong. Paul plainly uh, tries to draw attention to them in verse 10. Can you read verse 10 of chapter 1, Brother Jeremy? Yes. It says, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. That's what he points their mind to, the wrath to come. He says, yes. You're not appointed to that. But I never promised you a rose garden while you're here in this world, right? I mean, he said, you're going to go through some things. You've been appointed to those things. 
and, and their faith was being shaken. That's why he sent Timothy, like Brother Jeremy just read to us. He said, this was such a serious issue. We had to clear this up. And I was willing to even be isolated in, in, in Athens alone. And, and he said, you needed to be comforted in your faith. See, what they were experiencing was the distortion of, of biblical understanding. And it was shaking their faith. And it's happening now, and it's going to happen even more. When, when, when the mask continues to be removed off these false teachings and these false doctrines, and I know they're sacred cows to so many people, but if you think that a pre-tribulation rapture uh, idea and concept uh, is, is, is a necessity for your salvation, you're worse off than I thought. But we're going to challenge those ideas. And we're doing it from the perspective of not trying to, to create a camp of pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib, as they like to put labels on and everything, but, but what the Bible teaches us about end times. Yeah. And we're not going to do some kind of a theological, eschatological tap dance for you to try and prove our point. We're going to take you scripture by scripture and say, you make your own choice. You make your own conclusion. But this is how we see it. And we see it not based on an idea, a thought, or a few scriptures drawn from here and there. We'll take whole bodies of scripture and say, now look at this, and now tell me what it said. And if we're wrong, what's the worst that could happen? We get caught up in the air and go have a dinner for seven years, like they teach. <laughs> but if we're right, right, if we're right, and we believe we are, brothers, uh, then what we have done is is seek with all our heart uh, to prepare our, ourselves, our families, and you, our brothers who listen to us, for what could very well lie ahead. And should it be ahead, and should it be that which we're appointed to as well, then let us be as these brothers were. There's a line in, in one of my favorite movies at this battle uh, at Helm's Deep, I think it was Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers. I love there's this battle that all these evil forces come to destroy them. And, and they feel so overwhelmed at what's coming against them. And the king stands up, one of the soldiers stands up and says, well, if this is to be our end, then let us make such an end as to be worthy of remembrance. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> because, brother, <laughs> if we're going down in these times, well, then let us go down holding forth the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit burning bright in our heart, declaring to our last breath that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and he is coming soon. And one way or another, we're all going to give an account to him. Let us be on the right side, that we would be like like these precious brothers that were that were so powerfully uh, a, a witness in their times that it says, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God is spread abroad so that we don't even have to tell anybody about you. They already heard about you. Yes. That reminds me of the church in China, right? We talk about China all the time because our brother's faith from that demonic, satanic place of the Communist Chinese Party in the land of China, which is throwing our brothers and sisters into prison, taking their children from them, putting them in re-education camp, burn their churches down, burn their Bibles down, but and trying to put out the fire that the Holy Spirit is, is burning brightly in their heart. 
their faith has sounded all the way across the ocean so that even from the, the dungeons and jails that they've thrown them into, we can hear their voices crying out to us. Their faith is an example to us, just as Thessalonians was a, an example to all the early church of that day. So powerful was their witness. So great was their understanding that even now we speak of them 2,000 years later. And let them serve to exhort us, comfort us, and, and, and also what I've seen, they to exhort, to comfort, and to charge us to take our place in, in the great army of the Lord because we've been appointed to this. And we want to encourage you. We're going to go through some rough waters. But let me tell you something. <laughs> Jesus is coming. And that is the hope of our gospel. We've been appointed unto the kingdom of God and his glory. And to behold the beauty of the Lord forever and forever. Wherefore, comfort ye one another with these words. We'll pick it up again tomorrow as we explore First and Second Thessalonians. And we pray you've been blessed, inspired, and snap back out of your turkey-induced slumber. And we're back in the battle. Amen. <laughs> Jesus is coming. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go ahead, brother. Finish this off today. <laughs> no, in, in in closing thoughts, uh, I was you know as we're talking about the coming of the Lord and and and, and all the deception concerning the ideas and doctrines about the coming. I thought about Matthew twenty four, you know, where Jesus really speaks in response to the three questions concerning the end of the world, concerning coming and so forth. And I was thinking, is it a coincidence that the first thing that Jesus would say is take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And I remember when we studied this a few months ago, Brother Marty, you said something uh, that's, that stuck with me, and it's it's a concerning verse 5. It's not that it's saying that, oh, some dude is going to just rise up and say, I'm Christ, be careful with those. It's talking to much something of much more deeper. And it's people taking the thing, not just the things of God, but things concerning his coming that Christ said, and they're going to distort it. And yeah. they're going to deceive many. And I see that connection as we get ready to as we get ready to close to consider that. That's what Jesus was speaking about when he said, Take heed that no man deceive you, because what is he talking about that chapter? The end of the world is coming. Right? Uh the conclusion yeah. of all things. And mm -hmm. it is not a coincidence that he says, Many shall come in mining, saying, mm -hmm. I am Christ, or taking the things of Christ concerning the coming is coming and shall deceive many what a way to start this monday and uh i am looking forward I, I really have sensed his presence um and i think god is going to take us deeper as the days go by get ready something is going to happen to some of you because th th this this word is life you know and it's going to continue and it's going to give us clarity to what we must expect in this hour and better prepare us to face what is here to face what is coming. As Brother Marty said, we pray that you have been blessed today with this teaching as it, as, as it has been a blessing to us. And we pray you join us tomorrow as we continue to glean from his word concerning his coming.
May God bless you. May God keep you. And as always, keep looking up.